So uh, last week I had this little sermon, and the question was, um, do we need to change as Christians? Does God want us to change? And if you recall, um, the impetus of the sermon came from um, some, some words we heard um, in August down at Soul Fest, where it seemed like the message was, yes, God accepts you just as you are, but as a Christian, you don't have to change. And don't let anybody change you in any way, because you need to be true to yourself. And as I mentioned last week, it kind of bugged me a little bit. And uh, I gave a little sermon last week on uh, the fact that, that no, God wants to change us. He is in the change business. And if you're not changing as a Christian, there might be something a little wrong. So what I want to do today is, is I want to talk one more time, a very short sermon, maybe 10 minutes at the most, about change. And then I'm going to have um, a couple people come up that volunteer to give a bit of a testimony. So uh, it's going to be a great Sunday today. I look forward to hearing that. So uh, yes, God is in the change business. And Christianity is all about change from start to finish. Salvation. We have an initial transformation that changes us radically. Past. Continual transformation. We call it sanctification. God is changing us now in the present. And then, of course, the blessed hope, the future that we have. The final trans transformation where we will be changed into a likeness of Jesus. Can you imagine? Future. So God is in the change business, past, present, and future. So I want to read you three verses that talk about each of those. That's my sermon this morning. Very brief. So two are in 2 Corinthians. So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Now I did read this verse last week. I didn't talk about it very much. And I want to just jump into it today. God changes us past, present, and future. <coughs> And it's all about Jesus. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So Paul makes a statement here in very succinct terms. They draws three conclusions from that statement. The statement is, the preposition is, the hypothesis is, if you are in Christ, if anyone is in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? Does anybody know? Have you trusted Christ? Do you belong to Christ? Have you put your faith in Christ? Are you joined to Christ? Do you worship Christ? 
Do you serve Christ? Are you part of the body of Christ, the family of God, the church? Are you in Christ? Yes. Yes. Then, three things. One, two, three. You ready? Number one. Let's start with that one. In order. Can you believe it? If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. How about that? You are a new creation. Salvation is such a radical and fundamental change that it is like being created all over again. Jesus has a term for it. He says you must be born again. You must be born anew. It's like you've started your life all over again. You're created a new person in Christ. Number two. The old has passed away. Oh my word. That is such good news. Your guilt is gone. There is no more condemnation. There is no more shame. You have a fresh start. You are dead to sin. Your entire being, your value system, your mindset, your behavior are left behind at conversion. The old has passed away. And then thirdly, Paul says, the new has come. New life in Jesus. We were dead in our sins and now we are alive to God. We are free now to do His will. We are free and able and empowered to become like Jesus through the Holy Spirit. This idea This term that Paul uses here, the new has come, is a term that's used by Isaiah the prophet five times in the book of Isaiah. And it has a specific meaning. Isaiah the prophet foretold that this day in which we live, in which we put our faith in Jesus, is like no other. In Isaiah chapter 43, He says, this new creation that you and I experience is greater than the exodus from Egypt. In Isaiah 45, he says, this new creation that you and I experience is greater than the deliverance from Babylon. And it culminates in the new heavens and the new earth in Isaiah 65. And 66. When we are in Christ, we put on Christ as new clothes, and every aspect of our person is new. We have a new identity, we have new citizenship, we have a new mind, we have new relationships, we have a new retirement plan. Behold! All is new. Amen? Amen. So that's past. Through Christ, we have new life. 
we're born again. Behold, the past is gone, the new has come. Now what about the present? What about how we live in our daily lives? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Just look over a page or so. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Again, I read this verse last week. It's an interesting verse. It sounds complicated, and I want to make it simple. It says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You and I, today, presently, in 2018, in September, it's not October yet, right? In September, are being transformed from one image to another. That's what this verse is saying. We are being fundamentally and radically changed bit by bit to become what? More like the image that we behold. That's what this verse is saying. When we look at Jesus, we can't help but be changed by him. It talks about this veil being removed. When the veil is removed, when we trust in Jesus the first time, the scales fall from our eyes and we can see clearly for the first time. And what do we see? We see the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus. And we can never encounter God and remain unchanged. It fundamentally changes us. Our present lives, as we look to the reflected glory of God in Jesus, are gradually being transformed into his likeness. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The last part of the verse talks about that. That's the work of the Spirit. To clearly and profoundly bring the person and work of Jesus into our souls so that we are changed. The work of the Holy Spirit, one of the fundamental works of the Holy Spirit is to bring Jesus to our souls so that we become more like Jesus. And how does that happen? How does that work? How do we do it? First off, by the Word of God. When we come to the Word of God, Yes, it's to get knowledge. Yes, it's to get better understanding. But fundamentally, it should change us. We should come to the Word of God with an intellect and an idea of being changed. I want to be changed. I want to be more like Jesus. So you hear a little sermon from time to time. You come to Bible study. You come to Sunday school. You come to the Word. You read the Word in the morning. You read the Word at night to change you. Prayer. Prayer changes you. Other Christians come into your life that change you. Our experiences change you. All these things that God puts in our life is to change us. And then finally, so first, we're saved by the work of Christ. We're transformed in the present to be like Christ. And then finally, the final transformation, turn over a couple of pages, 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 51 to 53. Great song choices, by the way. They fit in really well, Suzanne. Behold, Paul says, I tell you a mystery. 
1 Corinthians 15, 51, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. That's the hope we have. And in the Bible, a hope is not something like, man, I hope the Red Sox win the World Series. <laughs> it's not, yes, my, it's not a hope that yes, the Patriots and Tom Brady are going to win the Super Bowl. The hope that we have in Scripture is sure and certain and immovable. It will come true. We will be changed. And Paul says in Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power of that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So start to finish, beginning to end, from the moment of conversion to our walk with Jesus until that trumpet sounds, God is in the business to change us. Amen? Amen. Okay, that's the message. Now, I want to give a little testimony. It's not my testimony. We received an email this week from uh, Annette's best friend up in Montreal. Her name is Barbara. Many of you have met Barbara. And Barbara is, uh, is bedridden right now. She uh, had some back issues, and they started giving her a series of cortisone shots. Cortisone shots uh, weakened her back, and she's now had some fracturing. So she is bedridden for three months, and she has to wear this brace thing on her back. Annette sent her uh, a copy of uh, the, the audio that Albert does of my sermon last week, and she listened to it. And here's what she said. Are you ready for this? Listen very carefully. There's so much fluff around in the Christian world. I appreciated your candor and the accuracy of sharing the word. Of course, I find myself in another valley so to speak. Really, I should call it a different season. Now I am pinned down, almost literally. God has granted me ears to hear and a heart to receive his word. And this is not a given in trials. But here I am, seeing these next two or three months strapped in my ninja turtle bodysuit as a gift from God. Listen, she says, I want to hear him. I want to be transformed like never before. He has started, and I am seeing the bad and the ugly in my heart, and I am laying it all down. I want to learn to love the way he loves. I am looking at my life, and 54 years are gone. However many more he grants me, I want to sprint forward. 
I want them to count. Will they be mostly on a bed of arthritis and osteoporosis or broken bones, broken bones and pain? I don't know. But I know I want my life to count in his kingdom. I was recently invited to a healing, to a healing conference. I declined. I know that God has this season for me. Why are we so fast to run away from his plan for us? As you said, he is transforming us, and it often hurts a lot. When you meet people, listen to this last line, when you meet people who have suffered, they are different, their compassion is different, their kindness is different, their listening is different. I want to be one of them. How about that? Okay, Cara, where are you? There you are. So I'm Cara Bradford, if any of you don't know me. Um, I was honored when I was asked to share my testimony with you all today because I have truly changed and grown in so many ways as I've deepened my relationship with Christ. And I believe as a direct result of this, God has showered me with blessings lately. I've not had an easy life. My journey has not been smoothly paved. Picture a class three road in Addison in springtime. Um, and then picture me trudging along that road in my mud boots, dragging a bunch of baggage behind me. I don't say this to complain, but to paint a picture for you of how far I've come with God's grace. When I was just 10 months old, um, so I didn't think I was going to cry. I actually wanted to make sure I couldn't see Julie because I knew that she cried and she cowered up front. So when I was just 10 months old, my father died after he fell asleep at the wheel of his tractor trailer and his truck flipped over a ravine. He was only 20 miles from home. This left my young mother to raise four children, ranging in age from less than a year to 13 years old. When I was nine, my mother was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and a brain tumor. She lost that battle when I was 10. My family were not a family of believers. I was lost and confused. I had no faith role models and no relationship with God. But I knew God enough to know that I was really, really angry with him. How could he do this to a little girl? Obviously, he left me. He wasn't with me. That anger slowly turned into a searching and a longing to know him. I started to beg my friends' families to take me to church. Over the years, I have attended Catholic, Protestant, Episcopal, Christian Reformed, Congregational, and even a Korean church before finding my home here at PCBC. I just kept searching but never understanding. Somehow I knew God was with me through everything. I just couldn't see him. Fast forward to my teens and early 20s. This searching has continued. I have an empty hole inside and I don't know how to fill it. My search to fill that hole has led this confused girl to turn to worldly things to find whatever it is that I'm looking for. Enter terrible self-esteem. Enter eating disorders, self-destructive behaviors, bad friendships, poor relationships, flunking out of college, and addiction. Something, anything to fill that hole. Fast forward to my early years of motherhood. I think I've found what I'm looking for. 
I'm married. I'm attending a church I think I love, and I'm active in it. My child is enrolled at the local Christian school, where I hold an elected position on the school circle. I'm finishing my associate's degree. I'm attending Bible studies, and I've made friendships with several Christian women. I've got it all figured out. To the outsiders, my life looks perfect. I'm square with God. I'm on the right path. Until I realize I'm not. I confess this all to one of my newer friends. She's a Christian mom that I look up to, and we're sitting in my car in her driveway. I am pouring my heart out to her. I'm suffering with an eating disorder, poor self-image, depression, drinking, and debilitating anxiety. What? My marriage is failing. I can't navigate my life without medication. I hate my job, and I am stressed beyond belief. What am I doing wrong? Why can't I get it right? In that very moment, through the words of my friend, I find Jesus. You need to surrender, she says. I have, I yell, with tears streaming down my face. Then why are you still trying to control everything? You need to give up this control and know that God has it. So I did. And guess what? I didn't change overnight, but wouldn't that have been wonderful? Uh, I did begin to make changes. I surrendered. I let Jesus in, and I got to know him. He became my best friend. He is what I was searching for all of these years. He never gave up on me. He was always there beside me. He just waited until I was ready to see him. Fast forward to now. I've been blessed with amazing new friends in this church, just when my faith had outgrown my previous church. I am still married, just when I thought my relationship had hit rock bottom. I have received several academic and leadership awards, just when I thought I couldn't put any more effort into school. I've been awarded scholarships and financial grants just when we had run out of money for me to pay for school. In fact, I haven't had to pay for the last two semesters of school. Just when I had struggled my hardest to balance schoolwork, my work work, and my home life, I realized that this May, I will graduate cum laude from an accelerated bachelor's degree program at Northern Vermont University. I am drug and alcohol free for over a year, just when I thought I could not make it one more day. I am no longer depressed, though it does not look like it right now. <laughs> I am no longer suffering from anxiety just when I thought I could not be granted any more blessings. Why? Because I surrendered, and I realized Jesus has got this. I finally see that. I'm still a work in progress, and I am far from being perfect. But Jesus' changes in my life have opened up doors I never dreamed would have been possible for me. And I can't wait to see what else he has in store for me. You know, Kara made a really good point about us being a work in progress. You've heard me talk a lot about this fundamental radical change when we're born again. But God does not take all of our sinful behavior away immediately, right? If he were to, to, to put all of that on us, we would be overcome and we would be paralyzed. And so oftentimes, 
He'll take away a couple of things and then we work at it. And that's that whole idea of sanctification in our lives. We grow to become more Christ-like. Okay, thank you, Kara. That was great. How about you're up next? Really? Remember, I said you were going to be second? Yes. Come on. <laughs> you're right. He doesn't take things away from you until you give them up. Give them to God. Like you, Bob. Hi, I'm Valerie Thomas. God's been working on me. You probably noticed. Um, or maybe you haven't. About a year, about a year ago, August, last month. So it's been a year and a month. 13 months. Baker's dozen, that's good. He sent me to the hospital. I miss singing in the choir. Missed a lot of things. Almost died of um, blood clots in my in my leg and a few little spots in my lung. And he threw me <laughs> threw me a loop. I went into the hospital, um, and they put a nicotine patch on my on my arm and got me on blood thinners and. God met me there in the hospital saying, yep, it's time. Let, let, me, let me do the driving. Um, I had to go home to an apartment um, in Middlebury with canister of, of oxygen installed and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that way. I live on oxygen tanks. So I worked really, really hard at the exercises that the doctors had given me and prayer and um, knowing that, that God was with me. And it was almost a, a, a physical presence where I knew he was hugging me. I knew that he was with me and that I didn't have to worry. Because even if you wanted me right now, I'd be with him. So all of this is just this is the icing on the cake. You know, I, I lived sixty-two years, and I want to do more for the for the kingdom. I haven't had a cigarette since, and I don't have any of the, I have summer just to, to go smell a cigarette once in a while. <laughs> but that's it, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go back to that old life um, of thinking that I'm in control of anything. Um, I see him working in, lives around me and 
He really has a good plan because look at us, look at this family. I'd do anything for any of you. Um, you're closer than brothers and sisters. Even my family is narrow in the direction. Um, you're my family. And that's God's plan for us to help each other and to love each other and love him without any reserve. Fantastic for today. So just, just a couple of things there. Um, Jesus is the physician. He heals us. And what she said is so true. If we could just get it into our heads. He heals us for a purpose so that we become more Christ-like and work for his kingdom. Right? That's why we're here. Right? That's why we're here. We're not here for our own purposes. We're not here to fill our bank accounts. We're not here to get our 401ks. We're not here to get the eight sob in the garage. <laughs> no, wait a minute. No. We're here because we have work prepared for us before the creation of the world. We have a role and a job that God wants for us. He wants us to do it. And that's why he heals us. He has a purpose for it. Helen, you good? Okay. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. So um, I'm really tired today. I didn't sleep well last night. And if I seem shaky, it's because I didn't sleep last night. <laughs> um, so, you know, like Kara said, you know, there's so many things that we go through in our lives, and it's not all a bit of roses, and we go through so many bumps. And I said, I wasn't going to cry. So, I'm one of seven kids. My parents divorced when I was four or five years old. And my mom did an incredible job of raising seven children. My father was a horrible alcoholic. And that's one thing I told myself, and I was never going to drink. Because I was never going to put my family through what my father put my family through. And I don't remember a lot of it. Because I was very young. And then when I was eight, sister was 19 and she was killed by a drunk, a drunk driver so I had five brothers and then there was myself and my sister so that looked to be cool but again my family was strong and my mom was amazing so you know then um, I, one thing my mom always did is we went to church she always made sure we went to Sunday school. And we had, my mom didn't drive. So there was the ladies at the church who would come and pick us up every Sunday to bring us to church to make sure we had that foundation, which was so important. And I remember being in um, youth group 
and going to, we watched, um, we went to this theater and we watched um, a movie. And at the end of the movie, we were offered to come forward if we wanted to give our life to Christ. <coughs> and I was a kid. But I felt that movement in my heart. And I did it. Along with several other gals and, and guys from the, the youth group. And, um, you know, I, I, it planted a seed. I really didn't know what I was doing at that point. I, I was too young. So I fast forward myself, married um, to a wonderful man, but we weren't really living the life of Christ. Um, I had a, a baby girl, Nicole, and she was just a couple of months old. And I remember going to the church, North Church, North Beresford, as you do, I've been to a few different churches. <laughs> I've been planted in different places for different reasons in different seasons of my life, um, as I'm here now. But I was in church. I was in the back of the church, pretty much back where we sit. I sit today. I'm just in a different church, and there was a call to the altar for Christ. I do not remember getting out of my seat. And I don't remember anything until I was about midway down the aisle holding my baby girl, going to accept Christ. And that changed me. My husband still wasn't really following Christ. He said he was, a, at that point, a CEO, a Christmas and Easter only. <laughs> 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 so, um, but, then I found myself, a few years later, from the help of my brother Frank, going to Crossroads Chapel, where I met a phenomenal group of women, and we all started praying for my husband, that he would come to Christ. And it took years, didn't it, Vicki? Yes, it did. But we, we were not going to stop. And he came to Christ. I didn't know he was even going to do it. One Sunday in church, he stood up and he gave his life to Christ. Another place where I felt like, wow, God really is in the, in the works for changing people. And anything is possible. Anything is possible. So, you know, I, I've seen those, those miracles really happen in our life. And, you know, fast forward again, we came to a point in our life where my husband was injured. And we weren't making ends meet. We just weren't making ends meet. Our credit card debt was up to $29,000. Because we had to make ends meet. And I kept asking for God to show me how I could help our family. And I was hearing this company. And I wasn't listening. And one night I was really desperate, and I said, God, you've got to show me, because I've got to help my family. And I heard it again, and I listened. And we are financially, don't have a credit card anymore due to this company and God, because it really is God. Um, but there are still times, and I know I'm kind of going on here, but there are times when you can't feel or you feel like 
You're not getting your prayers answered because there's plenty of times when that happens too. So I'm going to fast forward to last month, and I was really in need of a prayer being answered. And three things happened one night that showed me God was listening. So, I mean, just answering prayers. He was in the business of answering prayers that night, and they were so simple. And it made me realize that he can be in little tiny things, and he's in those great big things too. And just really quickly, we were going to go take a rooster back to where we had got it and change it out for a hen. Do you remember about a month ago we had a really bad thunderstorm in the evening? Really, really bad thunderstorm. Rain, like torrential rain. Probably the only hen we had it in the summer. <laughs> um, we got headed down the road and it was pouring so bad. We got to the end of Hand Road and my husband said, just call her and tell her we're not coming tonight. It's not happening, Helen. It's just not happening. It was thundering, it was lightning, it was bad. Well, I pulled out my phone. We had no service, dead zone. I said, well, right, I'm not calling. <laughs> I can't call. So we kept going. We got about a mile or two from there. And I just started praying. God, we just need to get this rooster back. Literally, we were probably, a, I don't know, a quarter of a mile from this place where we were taking it back. And the rain just slowed down, slowed down. We pull in the driveway, running out with each other. There's not a drop of rain. She comes running out of the house. <laughs> She literally says nothing to us, goes to the truck, opens the door, grabs that rooster, runs to the, the cage or the hen house and, and puts the rooster in and looking around and grabs one and she's, as she's running back to the truck, we get this incredible lightning and thunder and we're just, we're not even talking, she's just throwing that thing back into the cage and she goes running, I said goodbye, we're not even going to talk. And she, um, she runs back to the house. We get in the truck. We get to the end of her driveway. It starts raining. By the time we're a quarter to a half a mile down the road, it is pouring torrentially again. We have to get back to our house, and we've got to get that chicken back in the coop, right? So Ronnie's looking at me, and we're heading down the road. We're almost back to Hand Road. And he looks at me and goes, well, are you going to do it or am I? And I looked at him, and I said, I knew you wanted to pray again, so I said, God, this is a horrible storm. We just need to get that hen back in the coop. Can you please just part this storm? And I kid you not, just like this white streak came down through the center of the, of the heavens, and it was black on each side, and we're driving to the house, and Ronnie's looking at me, and it's not a hen. It's not raining. We get to the house, we throw it in, and kaboom, it starts all over again. By the time we hit the garage, it's pouring again. And it's like, wow, it was blowing our mind. We're looking at each other like, how, this is amazing. This is so crazy. So he, that was the night. We were heading out a day later to go away for a week. We wanted our chickens safe because... We had had two skunks and two raccoons get into the inner or the outer fence. So he wanted to put electricity to it. 
So he's inside, he's wiring that inside of the garage for the wiring for that chicken coop, and he's like, he looks at him, it's just pouring these sheets of rain, and he said, or it didn't happen again. <laughs> when he was ready to go out and hitch it out at the box, it wasn't raining. Three times in one night. So back to where, this, where my focus and my point is. I had something that I really needed to answer. And I went to bed that night and I said, God, I know you're in this. And I, you, you just showed me three times these little things, these little tiny requests of mine just came true just like that. They were just so minute. I knew he was in it. I went to bed. I went to bed with peace. And the morning I woke up and what I needed to happen had happened. So he is in it no matter how far apart you might feel or if you feel like he's talking to you or he's not talking to you. He is not leaving you. That promise is there in the Bible. He is there for you. He is, he is in it all. We don't always get our prayers answered the way we want them answered. But when you look back on things, you know he's never left you. He's never abandoned you. He's always there for you. Amen. Thank you. Jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you change us. We thank you that you give us an opportunity to carry about in our bodies you so that your life may be put on display, may be manifested in us. Help us to manifest you, Lord Jesus.